0: Leadership Stories with your hosts, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn or visit our website, pureintellikey.com. Here's your host, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Kirsten, people want to continue the conversation, you're hosting another call. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: It's called Soul Tea and Conversation for people to journey in to get to know themselves better in a peer-to-peer situation. It is a free platform. You can find it on my website, pureintellikey.com.
0: Hello again, everyone. I'm Mark Stenson, and I'm here with Kirsten Gouldy. This is IntelliKey Leadership Stories. We're the podcast where we talk about leadership in a higher vision, you know, people reaching their full human potential, and this word IntelliKey about exploring and expanding your realm into your higher purpose and your soul's purpose. Uh, Kirsten, we've just had so many great conversations about this idea of more conscious leadership. Uh, What are some of your key thoughts and takeaways from some of these interviews?
1: You know, the word that came up for me as you were speaking was awareness. Consciousness doesn't have to be this big, deep, we're going to India and going to go sit in an ashram. But it simply means the capacity to have awareness and self-reflection, to enable yourself to continue to discover your inner working so you can operate better, within community. So I I think that's kind of the takeaway. And of course, we're still diving into the social media. I'm on a mission for myself personally on this social (laughs) media conversation. So that's been interesting as well, listening to the various perspectives on authentic content not just content to market and capture that consumerism buying. So those are my current themes running.
0: Uh, That's great. Well, I guess it's within that realm of exploring different people and different leaders' uh, experiences that we welcome our guest today, Christina Eanes. Christina, welcome to our program.
2: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
0: Christina has such an interesting background. You know, anytime I look at a bio and it starts with former FBI violent crimes analyst uh, and a senior manager, uh, literally in Quantico, you know, I I get excited. (laughs) and say, I know we're going to talk about some interesting leadership qualities, but now she's also an author, speaker, a podcast host in her own right, a YouTube channel host, and just about self-improvement and self-awareness and super achieving overall. Christina, it's just an interesting combination of experiences. How does the past experience inform and guide your current work in the self-improvement area?
2: Oh, great, great question. And uh, it seems completely disjointed, but it's not. Um, so yes, I did start out in the field of law enforcement, but I've always, my father was a teacher growing up and then a principal. So I've always kind of had uh, that, ki- the, that background. So as I was in law enforcement as a crime analyst, not only was I a uh, coach slash mentor type leader, but I also taught college on the side. And then when I was with the FBI's Violent Criminal Apprehension Program, VICAP, um, part of my job was to go around and teach detectives and police officers how to use our system. So there was always some sort of teaching, facilitating, coaching, mentoring type thing. And then when I got, when I left Violent crime because I knew I couldn't do it forever and I wanted to get promoted. So I went in and joined the FBI's Leadership Development Program As a senior manager. So I had a couple of teams of folks, instructors, and logistics that we trained leaders anywhere from line level up to executive level, and mainly in emotional intelligence, which I love, Kirsten, that you mentioned awareness and self reflection, because that's a lot of what we were teaching. And I fell so much in love with that that once the kids left the house, then I decided to open up my own. Uh, company, which is a professional development firm. We teach soft skills related to all that stuff I fell in love with when I was in law enforcement as a senior manager. And then um, I also have the books and the podcast and the YouTube channel on top of that, all with the mission of helping people learn, grow and achieve. Mm. So good! That is such
1: exciting stuff. And I, I have <laughs> to ask, and I hope you don't mind, you know, when I think of FBI or Law enforcement, EQ is not the word I would choose, (laughs) right? (laughs) I would not say, oh, they've received an incredible amount of EQ, right? Mm -hmm. And I would imagine the public assessment would fall more in line with me unless you've been around law enforcement, you know, where you have family members or whatnot. Can you explain that to me? Because I, am it's like I hit a tree and I'm wrapped around the tree (laughs) and can't unwrap from that one.
2: Yeah, so emotional intelligence actually... The more successful. So I was not ever a police officer or an agent. That's actually, you have um, actually only about, oh, last I checked, it was only about 30% of the FBI are agents. All the rest are, for lack of a better term, support staff, right? So professional staff, analysts, scientists, janitors, mechanics, uh, you name it, that job is probably part of the FBI. Um, so one it's, when you think of law enforcement, generally you think of the gun toter, but that's actually a small percentage of them, but there are, and it's funny because, uh, my first two degrees are in criminal justice. And what, one thing that we learned is the more emotional intelligence that a law enforcement personnel, whether they're the gun toter or not has the more successful they are in like deescalating violence or interacting with others. So There is a percentage of them (laughs) that are emotionally intelligent, but that's not normally a training that one would get in the field of law enforcement. Now, there are some forward-thinking jurisdictions that actually do that kind of training for the police officers, but priority is safety at this point, right? Mm -hmm. Safety training, and then anything else they can throw on top of that. But I like to think of, of course, from my perspective of the world now, is that Emotional intelligence training would also be safety training because they're helping people interact with others more effectively.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I couldn't help but think about as you were describing this emotional intelligence, you know, if we turn this whole scenario inside out and mm-hmm. say, if the analysts and the officers agents had that kind of empathy we are trying to deal with the human on the other yeah. side of this exchange, uh, and/or confrontation, or however far it escalates. How different those interactions might be.
2: So true. Well, and it's such a it's a, such a fine line because you see the absolute worst of humanity, yes. right? So, like you, that person sitting across from you, I, I hate to bring this up, right? But that person could have just tortured and killed multiple small, young children. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard to have empathy in a situation like that. Right? So it's almost like it's a, it's walking a fine line to protect themselves, right? Because they're dealing with the worst of the worst, pretty much on a daily basis, not getting jaded, but also not losing your humanity it's just, it's a hard balance, quite Mm -hmm. honestly.
0: Yeah. And then thinking about what's going on then and the sort of psyche of these law enforcement officers that you are, you know, you said without being jaded, you know, because you start saying this is a bad place. All Mm -hmm. people are bad. And yeah, and clearly that's a problem.
2: Yeah. Well, and that's my, my, my guessing. Okay. I haven't done any studies on it. It's just part of being part of the profession. It just, it is going to say
0: you're around it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, like I just yeah. stopped looking for dead bodies um, as I was driving alongside okay, yes, the, exactly. the road like five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds horrible, but it's like it was like normal day, you know, mm-hmm. on the in the office.
1: <laughs> and and now, how does your training? how did you get to where you are and because you seem pretty lit up about it for those who can't see you you're you're quite joyous right there's just this lightness to you so you oh, must
2: enjoy you. what you're doing it's my right? wing light no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been this way since i was a child yeah so and it's um it, i've always been very positive matter of fact i would sometimes get teased like You're smiling so much. Are you sure you're not on drugs?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and Christina, you have your latest book is Life in an Escape Room. And here Uh we've been talking about uh, FBI and tactics and so forth. And now we've moved into the world of escape rooms. Tell us about the lessons that you're saying can apply to leadership and business. Oh,
2: huge, right? So interesting side note. I have been around cuffs a heck of a lot more in escape rooms than I ever was in law enforcement. <laughs> there you go. Being an analyst. Anyway, um, yeah, so my husband and I are escape room addicts. We have, well, maybe enthusiast is a better word, um, but we've done almost 500 now in 20 countries and 22 states. My daughter is at fault for starting this obsession because she's mm-hmm. like, let's go to an escape room. It would be fun. I'm like, yeah, that sounds silly. Not silly, we enjoyed it so much, but as we started doing them, not only were we having fun, but I was realizing that it, it, you know, with my professional development, personal development uh, hat on, that there is so much richness involved in this for the individual. So traditionally escape rooms have been used in the corporate arena as team building experiences, Mm -hmm. right? Getting teams to work well with each other. But I found that as an individual doing them, um, even with with family, friends, whatever, um, it is really helpful in in learning more about yourself. And it's a safe space to practice things. There's so many different lessons, like in the book, there's 60, right? (laughs) But the three main areas that I have found are perception, emotional intelligence, and communication. Perception, it's interesting because escape rooms help you well, they're meant to oftentimes mess with your mind. They know the typical like cognitive biases that we, it's game theory related stuff, right? That we face and they play with that uh, to mess with your mind. Um, emotional intelligence. Uh, emotions can get high and in, 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 you know, in escape rooms for lack of a better term. And that helps you realize you need, it gives you a safe space to work through those. One thing that comes to mind is, Uh, So often we'll look up at the clock and there's five minutes left and you look around and it looks like there's about 20 different puzzles going on that Mm. you still have to do. Right. And so what, what do you start feeling? (laughs) Right. And we tend to snap (laughs) at people get into like uh, mode, (laughs) right? Well, this is a place where we've learned, okay, take a deep breath. It's not, it's going to be okay. Wasting 20, 30 seconds just to relax and get focused. And then just do what you can. You see parallels with life too, right? Just focus, take a deep breath, do what you can. And without fail, the majority of the time, 97% of the time, we'll look up and and we've been able to escape in time. Um, And then just relating that to the parallels of life, right? So talk about um, awareness and self-reflection, getting out of that room, going, okay, we did it this time. We were able to control those emotions. We weren't worrying needlessly because we were able to control our emotions we're able to focus on that last set of puzzles and work through them. So let's apply this to life. Okay. I'm nervous about X, Y, Z, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So let me breathe through it. Relax. Cool. Cause I'm going to spend that five minutes. Do I spend it worrying or do I spend it relaxed, cool, calm and collected and trust that things are going to be okay, that I'm going to work through it and I'll be able to adjust it. So that's just like one of many, many different experiences that you can learn from. In an escape room.
0: Well, I can't wait to try one. I've never personally done it. You haven't? No. And uh yeah, you've all (laughs) all of a sudden become the ambassador. I thought we were gonna talk about leadership, but now uh the ambassador for escape rooms.
2: There you go. It's leading yourself.
0: (laughs) But you know, there must be leadership parallels. I think about Other situations, you know, when you were talking about these team building exercises, but there's always that type A guy, you know, who says, I'll be in charge here. You know, Mm -hmm. it's usually the Leo and it's usually, you know, I I don't know why I'm saying that as a I don't know. I was gonna say Mark. Hey Mark, can you relate
1: over there? Can you relate?
0: I've I've never come (laughs) in and said I'm in charge. (laughs) But again. In your experience, doesn't it turn out to be sometimes somebody else who says, look, let's just all stay cool here. Or mm-hmm. the one who hasn't said anything all, all the time. And then all of a sudden we've got five minutes to go. Well, I think I figured it out. Uh-huh. Uh, what are your experiences in that regard as, yeah. as leadership?
2: Well, I will actually bring, cause uh, my firm, my company does leadership training, right? So I will actually bring escape boxes into training and we'll have a few people jump in and do it. And we'll have others observe Simulating a little bit like what would happen if you did uh, leadership slash team building right at an actual escape room. And we actually, and then we debrief after. So you'll have different personalities. You'll be like, I'm going to do it. I jump in. I'm going to tell everyone what to do. They think they're the leader. Right. But are they really, are you really leading people? It all depends on how you define leadership. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Um, and then you'll have like one thing that I've learned and it's very similar to my leadership style is I have experience in the area. So I will step back and guide people through the experience, right? So that would be my form of leadership showing up in an escape room, you know, not giving them the answers, but being like, okay, well, what does this puzzle look like? How do you think we need to tackle it? You know, what should we tackle next, right? Going into that kind of coaching leaders or servant leader, but it's interesting. So we'll watch how people react in the situations and then we'll debrief after because in those types of situations, That personality and those habits come out. And if there's not an awareness of one's behavior in the moment, then it's fascinating for them to realize the impact they've had after during that debrief.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And are people open to that kind of reflection of their own awareness? Like all of a sudden now in this exercise, you're putting the mirror up there and say, Did you see yourself?
2: Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, that's not something that we just throw at them right away, right? Mm -hmm. We ease them into we're first talking about being in the stretch zone instead of your comfort zone, but not the panic zone. So getting in that stretch zone, you have to be a little bit of vulnerable. We have to look at ourselves, be a little more aware. So we kind of do a lot of prepping before we go into that experience, but some people still don't want to see their behavior. (laughs) Yeah.
1: You know, I I love that you bring that up coming from corporate myself and we all have our strong suits that, you know, tend to lead our leadership often, Mm -hmm. but and put yourself under pressure, you find out what you're really made of. I'm curious to know where kind of moving around the EQ, because you also need emotional intelligence to move teens out of escape rooms, right? Which is essentially what you're doing day to day in a boardroom. Yep. Right, you're leading teams out of the situation that you're in and elevating beyond it to hit the numbers, to hit the metrics, to create shareholder value, you know, all of those components. How does this measure? How do you equate? How do you bridge that gap from this training in the boxes and the escape rooms to actually real life scenarios where you have teams? You yes. have to have a cool head. I can't tell you how many 2 a.m. meetings we've had. And people are tired, agitated, angry, but that's the war room. That's what happens when you're at an executive level, you're in all the time.
2: Yeah. Well, so it depends on what goes on during the escape room experience or escape box experience. We pull out a lot of that in the debrief. So depending on personality type, and then of course, on top of that is the emotional intelligence level that they currently have, right? So some people are going to focus more on the tasks and not focus on the people involved. Other people are going to be so enraptured in the people and the relationships, they may not get out of the escape room experience, right? Because they're more focused on the people. And so we talk about, okay, as a leader, it's important to focus on both the tasks and the people. Um, that's that thinking and feeling preference with uh, Carl mm-hmm. Jung's work, right? So mm-hmm. it's important to balance out that. So whatever your natural inclination is, so say let's, you're great at relationship building, but maybe not so good at results focus then that person would leave that experience realizing they need to focus on results as well, vice versa. Right? So if someone's really focused on pushing through and getting out of that escape room experience and and winning, right. But they leave, uh, we used to tease not tease, but in the FBI, it's like you finish mission, but are there scorched earth and burns body burn bodies in your path? Or do you have your team ready to go on to the next, the, the next mission? Right? So we have a conversation about that based on, how people show up during the experience. And then along with emotional intelligence, the idea is you're aware of how you're showing up so that you can manage and regulate how you are interacting with others, right? So that you can also be more aware of others and their emotions and how they're behaving so that you can uh, best interact with them for the most effective way. So you may have to um, meet them halfway to compromise, whatever you need to do to get the best out of that situation, With that person.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting. How is it that you can, uh, or I guess, what method do you use to connect these experiences, which I was reading, you know, could be an Egyptian tomb, a pirate map, a Sherlock Holmes (laughs) mystery, Uh these obstacle courses of these escape rooms. Are Mm -hmm. people able to connect the dots to what Kirsten's talking about? You know, the late night Mm -hmm. meeting, the client who doesn't pay you, the... Investors who want their money back. You know what? Whatever the case is, that they feel. Oh my God!
1: I'm going. I have PTSD right now. Okay, I'm just (laughs) just, saying.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry. I listed all three of them. (laughs) Yeah.
2: So no, that and that's actually during that that debrief, right? So it's like, okay, um, in this escape room experience, you were very focused on the individuals around you and making sure everyone was playing nice and stuff, and and you didn't escape. So how does that play out in real life for you? what are you doing in the workplace? Okay. Let's take the meeting that we just had two days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that play out for you? What does that look like? Or, you know, you, you got up immediately started telling everyone what they needed to do. And, and you guys got out 10 minutes early, but everyone else is really upset with you right now. So how does that play out for you in the workplace? How does it play out for you at home? Right? So we, we do a whole person. So it's really just uh, having them apply and then in doing some facilitating in the classroom. It's not just telling them what, right? So we're pulling that stuff out. Uh, or it, I sometimes I'll get into that in my speeches, but it's really having them, it's all about real world application, right? Otherwise it's like, oh, I just had this cool escape room experience today. Right,
0: right. Yes.
1: Chalk yeah. it down to yet another corporate <laughs> development event. Exactly. Right?
2: Like, exactly. Box yeah. check that, it's over. I yeah. fell off
0: the log and my colleague caught me.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> What's really fun is when how does this play out for you in the real world? They're like, oh no, that's just me in this experience. I don't get like this. And you see everyone look at them.
0: Yeah. yeah. You're like, okay, like, I actually want you to look you around did.
2: at your colleagues' faces <laughs> right now and see if they agree with you.
0: But you know, you brought up a, a twist too. I think a lot of us were thinking, you know, stuck inside of this exercise or this escape room, everybody's gonna be all agitated and at each other's throats, as in a high intensity corporate meeting. But you also described the other scenario where, hey, Mm -hmm. great meeting. We all got along. We had great coffee and donuts, but (laughs) but we didn't achieve the goal (laughs) and we died inside the escape
2: room. (laughs) Uh I've seen people be so polite to each other. Oh, you go ahead. Oh, no, no, you do it. What do you think it should be? And they talk about one puzzle for like twenty minutes. And you're like, you should be five puzzles in by now. How can we? How can we balance this out? <laughs>
0: Move this along a little bit.
2: Yeah, we had fun, but we didn't get anything done.
0: <laughs> yes. But I guess you're also describing these relationships that cross, you know, life's boundaries uh, from yes. career to family to nonprofits to all sorts of organizations, right? Exactly. Um, and do you find that people have different of course, they might have different personalities, but uh, different styles. You know, if I go to a nonprofit meeting, do I act differently than I do in a corporate meeting? You know, what what has been your experience with those kind of organizational changes?
2: Depends on company culture, is what I've seen. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it, it will depend on well, the company. Yeah, yeah, not necessarily the industry, but the company culture. Yeah.
1: Yeah, wasn't expecting that answer, but I like yeah. that answer because that, that feels right. It, so I'm going to go off kind of the metaphysical a little bit, but it's not even metaphysical, it's scientific. You know, to understand how to navigate these situations, where do you find intuition? What role does intuition play? Because that guides, if we're really connected to it, can guide beyond the problem.
2: Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. First of all, intuition, I think, is especially when it's used intentionally um, and practice is very important, right? So uh, with the science behind it, which I'm sure you know about, right? It's our conscious brain. What is it? Five, 10% maybe aware of what's going on when we're, we're do- but our subconscious brain who has all these experiences and, and notices things that maybe our brain, our conscious brain wouldn't notice. I have to go back to law enforcement, but have you ever, have you heard of the gift of fear by Gavin DeBecker? No. No. Yeah, that was a huge book for me when I was younger, because it actually goes over the importance of, well, the gift of fear. And essentially, he was talking about intuition. It's how our brains can pick up so much more around us and do so much more than we're consciously aware of that reaches our conscious level. So there's a lot of experience and everything else going on down there in the subconscious brain that helps us make decisions. And so you may not be consciously aware of all of the different facets that you've observed, but your subconscious is like, you know, i we've been in this situation before and it's not going to work or whatever. So and yes, there is a lot of, I, there's also a metaphysical part of it that I believe in, but if you want to stick to science, I mean, I think it's all related quite honestly. I, don't know. Well,
0: what you- I think Kirsten brings it up because mm-hmm. it does cross the science, but we talk about, oh, I had hunches, you know, going with my gut feeling. And yeah. the more we learn, the more we say our stomach is probably doing as much thinking as our brain, right? That we yeah. should go with these gut hunches and I couldn't help but think about, you know, in your crime analyst life, it's like, hey, I've seen these ingredients. I've seen these scenarios. Let me see if I can piece together a puzzle uh, Mm -hmm. and a picture based on these. Is that kind of thing you're describing?
2: Intuitively picking up patterns. Yeah. And some people are better at it than others. There's there's actually, I don't know if you're familiar with Carl Jung's work. I teach, actually, I was just teaching earlier today, a personality system based on that, Mm -hmm. but intuitive versus sensing, right? Intuitive is pulling from Yes, it's getting information from the five senses, but it's pulling from, it's more um, inductive versus deductive reasoning where sensing is from the five senses. It's very practical oriented. So some people have more of a natural inclination towards intuition. But it's definitely.
1: Is that that personality test, the ENTJs?
2: All right, well, that would be Myers Briggs. I, I prefer Discovery Insights, but yeah. Okay. It, all okay. Based on Carl Jung's work. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, we say that because Mark and I are both ENTJs. Yeah,
0: They've
1: we. Really? Yeah, I am yeah. too.
0: <laughs> See? It's, that's a whole con- <laughs> it's a whole convention. Right, we, we, t- t- we tend to find each other. Yeah. well I think you look great. How do I look? Uh, Um, Well, I, the reason I guess we're also saying this is because we talk about leadership development, Mm -hmm. but I would love to hear both your sort of beliefs, but also practices in developing this intuitive muscle, you know, that can this be developed more through conscious practices, spiritual practices, whatever one might uh, espouse.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so personally, I think that is um, getting those life experiences, going through them with awareness, doing a lot of self-reflection in how you show up and the impact that you want to have and making sure that that is what's happening. So I think as you develop those experiences, then you more trust. I wouldn't necessarily trust my intuition if I was brand new at something, right? So it's part Mm -hmm. of building up those life experiences and seeing what works, what doesn't work. Because I can tell you now, being almost 50, it's like I have... um, like I'm not able to remember everything, but I know like this seems familiar and this is how I feel like I need to do this, right? So relying on those life experiences, not necessarily remembering everything, trusting that I have the experience necessary to move forward and make the decisions that I do. And a part of that gut feeling is emotional intelligence, right? So we need our emotions in order to make decisions. There's a lot of research on that too. Like people who have lost the ability for emotions because of some sort of brain damage, they can't make good decisions. Um, so relying on those emotions and the intuition Finally honed over a period of time, uh, I think is very important.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Christina, do the groups you work with, now, now let's continue taking leadership up to this IntelliKey word, mm-hmm. and that is a true potential, a true sense of soul's calling. Do people mm-hmm. that you work with maybe see leadership as not just the next rung of the corporate ladder? Do they really want to develop that? And you know, oftentimes we even think about generational differences. I don't know yeah. what your experience has been in that.
2: I, I see all types, quite honestly. I see people who want to lead just because they want to make it a better world. And I see other people who want to lead because it's a higher pay raise. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a higher paycheck, quite right, honestly. Right, right. Yeah, so I see all different types. So we, we leave jobs because we don't like our bosses. So I, I do see that those leaders that have quote unquote the higher calling tend to have more of a following and more of a committed group instead of just a compliant group.
1: Mm-hmm. And then yeah. taking that to the call it the spreadsheets, the bottom lines, right? Mm-hmm. How does that equate into company performance and the company meeting its potential? Yeah. Because it's yeah. great. We, we want to evolve for ourselves, But our last guest talked about that, you know, being of impact. Yeah. So what is the impact of all of this self training? that we do to the bottom line. Cause that's important. I mean, that's why we run companies, right? To create profits. Yeah. So we have sustainability for everybody. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean a good leader, especially a good leadership up in the higher echelons has a good company culture. Companies with good leadership, they just make more money. And I don't know there's like obscene them, not amount of percentages. I don't, I don't have a memorized, but good leaders equal productive people, people who are committed less turnover right? Because that's expensive. <laughs> and, and a higher bottom line, a, a lot more than other companies. I was trying to read because I'm reading right now. Oh, what is it like the culture solution? Uh, Matthew Kelly, he talks about all this stuff. And I, the idea is treat people like people, right? Get people in the right positions, be a good leader. Um, and he, he did something like there was a percentage that was obscene in there uh, on the difference between the productivity and the bottom line for these companies.
0: Well, the committed versus the compliant is yes. a good is a good place to start. Yeah. Are people right. following me right. because I said so or because, you know, I'm leading them in a good place, yeah. like that person who's leading to change the world?
2: And they're gonna go above and beyond, right, for that leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They're willing to put in a little extra time when needed, right? Uh, work overtime, not not even overtime, free, right? Work for free a few hours just to get that project done because they want to be part of that mission.
0: Yeah, and your productivity. I would be remiss if I didn't mention your other book, and I think this is the title of your podcast: "Quit Bleeping Around." Uh, so that's um, the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, hey, if we're just uh, goofing off here, then uh, <laughs> what are some of those secrets? You know to not only leading people with this higher calling that we've been talking about but also being productive while we're doing it
2: ah yeah so the first book was "Quit Leaping around and that was about getting out of your own way essentially with i love that kirsten brought it up the awareness and self-reflection because i would say mo- most of the time we are in our own way when we're experiencing obstacles very rarely is it outside of ourselves honestly um the second book is the secret to super Productivity." And that is all about managing your energy instead of your time and looking at your energy as a budget and that you can control, right? So you have a certain amount, you can make deposits, you have to make sure you make more deposits than you do withdrawals. So
0: good.
1: Okay, that is my takeaway for the program today. Yeah. She,
0: she didn't even wait for me to ask. <laughs>
1: yeah, like, that's the takeaway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah,
0: in general, that's a pretty good life lesson. You should make more deposits than you're making withdrawals. Yes. I think we'd all be better good off. leadership. Yeah. <laughs> Because Kirsten, I think back, Dallas Gagel and Richard Wegner were talking about our use of the land and resources and mining and so forth. So it's like, hey, if we take care of the land instead of taking things out, making withdrawals, then we would also be better off too. Oh, yeah.
2: That like applies across the board to most things, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, Christina, this has been such a great conversation and I would love to uh, point our listeners to a place where they could learn more and read more about your work and what you're up to. Where should we send them?
2: Uh, ChristinaEens.com would be the best one. We also have I mean with all of them like lifeisanescape room.com, secrettosuperproductivity.com, quitleepingaround.com, but all of them all of them come off of uh, christinaeans.com. Oh,
0: well, we'll definitely go there and read more about your work and find these books and listen to your podcast cuz not only a good information, but just what you said, I, I'd like a little deposit of this kind of energy in my <laughs> bank. So keep the joy going.
2: Oh, thank
0: you. Yeah, thanks so much. So Kirsten, what a, what another uh, good conversation about leadership? again, we we think we're going to talk about managerial techniques, but I think we've taken the conversation a little higher.
1: Yeah. Fantastic conversation, Christina. Thank
2: you. Thank
0: you. And listeners, come back again next time for another episode of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, where Kirsten and I will talk to another guest, really understand what it means to pursue, not just our goals, not just our quarterly objectives, but really this higher calling that we've been talking about and really learn the skills and learn the emotional intelligence, the perception, the awareness that we've been talking about here today to elevate our work and pursue our soul's potential and that's what IntelliKey is all about. So come back again for the next episode. For Kirsten Gouldy, I'm Mark Stenson. This is IntelliKey Leadership Stories. See you next time. You've been listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Subscribe wherever you listen to
1: podcasts including Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. On behalf of your hosts, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Thanks for listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories.
0: If you like IntelliKey Leadership Stories, I want to tell you about another podcast I host called Unlocking Your World of Creativity. Each episode features an expert from somewhere around the globe it tells us about how they get inspired, how they organize their ideas, and how they gain the confidence and connections to get their work out into the world, from singer-songwriters to entrepreneurs, on topics like data analytics to hotel management. We talk to experts from Milan and Oslo, Buenos Aires and Los Angeles, all over the globe to bring you the best ideas and in inspiring your creative thinking. You can find Unlocking Your World of Creativity